0: You are Locked On Orioles, your daily podcast on the Baltimore Orioles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, folks, welcome back to Locked On Orioles, your place for Orioles news and analysis from the clubhouse to the warehouse and beyond. It's all O's all the time. As always, I'm your host, Justin McGuire. I'm a veteran baseball writer and podcaster. I spent eight years as a senior editor at Sporting News. I'm a former Cy Young and Rookie of the Year voter. And most importantly, I'm a guy who's been following the Orioles for four decades. Folks, today we're joined by Luke Seiler, who writes about prospects for Orioles Hangout. You know Luke, he's been a guest several times before. Today he's here to talk about his new list ranking the top 50 prospects in the Orioles system. And of course, as you guys know, this list looks very different than it would have even just a few weeks ago because of the Manny Machado and Zach Britton trades. Those trades brought in a number of prospects from the Dodgers and Yankees, respectively, and have really changed the look of the Orioles' system. We'll get to that interview in just a second. Hey folks, just a reminder, for all the original content of the Locked On Podcast Network, both the podcasts and the written content on every team, go to LockedOnSports.com. And of course, for all your content on the Baltimore Orioles, make sure to go to LockedOnOrioles.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Locked on Orioles. We're joined again by Luke Seiler. He's been on the podcast several times. He's a prospect writer for Orioles Hangout. Um, And Luke just came out with his brand new top 50 Orioles prospect rankings. So you should check that out at Orioles Hangout. Um, And Luke, I want to talk about your rankings a little bit. But specifically, I wanted to talk about the state of the Orioles farm system following the Machado and um, Britain trades. Uh, we haven't talked since those trades went through. So I wanted to just talk about where things stand since they got a number of prospects for those two guys. Um, and as we as we record this, we're still about 24 hours away from the trade deadline. So there could be even more trades coming and <laughs> more prospects on the way. But as of now, they, these are the two major trades they've made. So first of all... Just give me the overall your overall thought on where the farm system stands now um, compared to where it stood before uh, Manny Machado and Zach Britton were traded.
1: Well, it definitely it definitely increases the strength and also the depth of the system substantially. I mean, the Orioles seem in these trades to be targeting guys that would fill out the depth in their upper minors and give guys that could debut in the next couple of years. Um, so. They didn't obtain a lot of, you know, low minors, risky guys. Uh, You know, if you look through the returns, use Neil Diaz, um, Dean Kramer, Rylan Bannon, Dylan Tate, um, Cody Carroll, who I believe just at the time of this recording is going to get called up to uh, fill Brad Brock's spot in in the bullpen. So... You got a lot of guys who will be able to contribute pretty soon. And, and it looks like a lot of guys who'll have some major league value. So that's really the strength of the system right now. We're about, you know, fifteen to twenty players deep on guys who are very likely to have some major league impact. Now, are we looking at star players? Are we looking at all stars? there's not a ton of that in the system. That's still the weakness. You know, when I'm looking down, down my rankings, it's hard to find a guy. It's like, okay, this is the next main Machado. This is the next guy we build around. Um, that's a little harder to see. Um, but as far as depth goes, uh, I had 13 guys with a, a future value 50 or better ranking. And those are guys that project to be either back in rotation pieces or average starters are better. And that's kind of, you know, your median projection for them. So a lot of major league contributors, a lot of guys you're going to see in the next couple of years on this Orioles squad as they rebuild. Um, and that depth matches most teams' farm systems in the majors now that you've added guys like Diaz and um, – Tate and Kramer and and Bannon and Carroll um, and some of the others. But it's really lacking that high upside, that that guy you're like, okay, this is going to be the centerpiece of our lineup. This is going to be our number three, number four hitter. This is going to be our front of rotation starter.
0: Again, I think it was you who mentioned this on Twitter um, a couple days ago. But, of course, one thing the Orioles do have going for them, if you want to look at a positive out of a negative, is they're likely to have the number one pick in the draft next year, or if not, if the Royals really, you know, (laughs) continue to play badly, possibly is the number two uh, pick of the draft next year. But they're certainly not going to have any worse than the two pick. So that may be a way to alleviate that concern a bit, right?
1: Yeah. um, I mean, it's a little far out for the 2019 draft to really like nail down who's going to be there at the top. I mean, a lot of the high school guys really still have another year of, you know, their bodies developing, you know, a guy that's five, nine now might be six, four next, you know, that's kind of exaggeration, but, um, but there are a couple of guys um, projected towards the top of the draft that could be, you know, impact type players. Um, one is Adley Rutzman. I'm, I'm probably saying that wrong, but he was the catcher for Oregon States uh, national championship team. And, he he's a switch hitting catcher you know he's probably going to get comparisons to to Matt Weeters, although they're not quite the same type of player but he has all the tools to go number one overall and catcher actually lower in the minors is a pretty weak spot for the system so so you know they're going to have some good options at the top of the draft and they could probably you know fill that upside type guy um you know, we'll see as it comes around. You know, how impact the talent is at the top of the draft. Sometimes, you know, the impact players are the risky ones. You know, the the high school arms that, that throw ninety eight with a plus plus curve ball, but you know, haven't faced any type of you know quality bats. So, you know, when you when you have those guys available, and then you know a college performer. With well-rounded tools, the O's are in a position where they may have to go for that upside guy because that's lacking in the system.
0: All right. Well, that's that's a little far afield, I guess, talking about next year. But I thought that was just an interesting point. So again, we go back to the idea. Now, the Orioles' farm system is. Is as deep as it's been in a long time, um, and and again, probably maybe not maybe not um, a bunch of future all stars, but certainly some future contributors. H- among the guys the Orioles acquired, and I know Diaz and Tate are probably the biggest names. Who do you see the most upside for? Who are you highest on?
1: Um, uh, highest on compared to their their you know national industry rankings. I have to go to Ryland Bannon, who's been a favorite of mine for a long time. Um, I, I followed him when he was in college um, for Xavier, and he's, he's one of the pieces in the main Machado trade from the Dodgers. He can play third base. He can play second base. Um, I think the Dodgers liked him better at second base, but I can see him being an average to probably above average glove at either position. Um so so that helps his floor right there. And the guy has some serious power. He's kind of an underlooked guy because he's only 5,10, about 180 pounds. But he has kind of a Josh Donaldson style um, leg kick. He really gets his lower half into his swing. and he, you know, you probably heard talk about you know launch angle or you know having loft in the swing. I mean, he has as much loft in his swing as anyone. He, he gets the ball in the air, and while his power isn't light pull power, he doesn't have, you know, plus or plus-plus power, he does an excellent job of getting to all his power in game. So the only question with him is his hit tool. He, he has had a little bit of trouble with uh, recognizing spin, um, you know, elite breaking pitches, but he's in double-A now. Um, the Orioles promoted him when they acquired him, and you know he he's got he's got plenty upside and you know worst case scenario I see him as like a ryan flaherty type utility infielder even if even if he doesn't you know even if the hit tool doesn't come
0: along. Where do you have him in your top fifty?
1: I have him at where do i exactly do I have him? Let's see I have him at seventeen okay. So that shows some of the depth. That's a guy I'm really high on. Um, you know, he's probably not nearly that high in you know a national Orioles ranking. Uh, he's probably in the you know mid 20s or something like that. But yeah, I see him as a I see him as a really interesting piece with some serious
0: upside. Um, what are your thoughts on Diaz, who was of course the the key to the Machado deal?
1: I've seen him in a top 50 ranking for I guess a. Uh, Baseball Prospectus had him in, in their top fifty for their midseason update, and I believe Baseball America either has him close to the top fifty overall. Um, I'm not that high on him. I'm I'm more in the the fifty to a hundred range and uh, prospects in baseball. I have him number two on my top fifty behind Ryan M- Mountcastle. Um, I love Mountcastle's bat. I mean, I've always thought he's going to hit and any doubts he put in people's minds last year after struggles on promotion to double a he's alleviated those. Now the guy's going to hit. Um, so he's number one for me, even though, you know, positionally, um, it's not as much of a short sure thing as Diaz. Now Diaz is similar to me to, to what Austin Hayes looked like last year. You know, a guy who, maybe can handle center field but probably in the majors he's going to be a corner outfielder probably going to be a right fielder um has a good arm has above average speed um you know an athletic guy now different than Hayes where Hayes looks kind of like power over hit right now uh Diaz is hit over power which is a which is a more steady profile um and really what's going to determine the outcome for Diaz, whether he's, you know, an average starter for the Orioles or a guy you can kind of build around as like an all-star, is whether he can get the ball in the air more. Right now he has, you know, he's strong. It's not that he doesn't have power. Um, but he he has a line drive swing and he sprays the ball around the field. He doesn't really, uh, you know attack it and drive it often um so that's what what you'll see with his home run numbers being down but the guy has legit power when he gets into the ball as you probably anyone who saw his two home runs in the future stars game um during all-star weekend i mean the guy can put a charge into the ball if he hits it right so there is some upside there he's probably not a center fielder i was watching him the other day in center field he's definitely not the quality glove of, you know, Cedric Mullins or Ryan McKenna already in the Orioles system. So I think he slots into a corner, um, but I think he definitely has the bat to handle a corner and be uh, an average or better uh, regular.
0: Dylan Tate is another one. He was the the pitcher that they got um, as one of the prospects they got in exchange for Zach Britton. I've read a lot of stuff on him. There seems to be some contradictory feelings in the industry about about his future. What What do you think about Dylan Tate?
1: So uh, I, I've watched a couple of his starts um, on video um, since since they acquired him. So try to you know read up on everything I can find, um, and yeah, there's there's a wide variety of opinions. Um, a lot of that's because you know he was drafted, I believe, fourth overall. Um, so. You know he had, he was well scouted and well liked um, coming into professional ball, but I guess the Rangers tried to alter his delivery. He's kind of got a herky jerky leg kick kind of thing, and I think maybe they were trying to smooth it out or something. But he lost a lot of his stuff. He he wasn't throwing as hard. Um, you know his his breaking ball backed up um, and, and wasn't playing above average anymore. Uh, so a lot of scouts are really down on him, but Yankees traded for him, let him go back to his college delivery and, you know, it fixed him. The Yankees, you know, as much as, as Orioles fans, we kind of hate the Yankees. They're, they're great at developing pitching prospects. I mean, they do it as well as anyone in the league and, uh, and he's really gotten his stuff back as a Yankees prospect. Um, you know, he sits in the mid-90s again now and can can touch, you know, 97, maybe even 98. Um, and he offers a slider that, uh, you know, sometimes it looks like a plus pitch. It's it's not really consistent, which is, you know, somewhat of a warning flag for a guy who's already 24. Um, he can hang it at times. It can get flat. Um, but, you know, it, it's a good pitch. And what I really saw when I was watching him that that I liked is his changeup, which, you know, wasn't a strong pitch for him early in his pro career has really come along. And I think it's his best pitch. Um, he uses it against right-handed and left-handed batters. Um, it's, it's very effective getting swings and misses and it's more consistent than the slider. So, you know, that's good stuff. That's, you know, you can see three above average pitches, major league pitches pretty easily when you're looking at them. Now, the fastball command is the biggest question for him, in my opinion. Um, you know, can he get ahead of counts? Can he, you know, throw strikes that aren't right down the center, um, which you'll need to do in the majors? That's 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 the main question for him, of whether he's going to be, you know, he has the stuff to be a number two, number three starter. I mean, he's got legit stuff. Um, whether he's going to be that guy, or whether you're going to have to set him loose in a bullpen and... You know he, he has a decent floor too because, you know, you put him in the bullpen, he might throw a hundred. I mean, for a one inning stretch, the guy's got legit stuff. The other thing that you know adds risk if, to him is he hasn't thrown a hundred innings in a in a season yet in the minors, and he's 24. Um, he's been off and on the DL. He recently missed time with a quad injury, so he has that label of kind of a fragile type guy so you know that adds a lot of risk to the profile that, that's why i have him i have him at number nine in my top 50 um but it's probably defensible to put him as as high as number four um you know he he, he has significant upside but the reason he's a little bit lower for me is that risk
0: all right. Now, there was a third trade that involved Brad Brock to the Braves that happened um, on Sunday. They didn't get a prospect back for him, but maybe even more interesting from an Orioles perspective, they did get back international signing money, which is something we know the Orioles in the past have have basically traded. Um, this this gives them the ability to spend money uh, on the international market, which they haven't been doing. Do you see this as a positive sign? What what do you take out of that?
1: Yeah, actually, I've you know I've been thinking I've. Written a decent amount about this on Orioles Hangout on the on the boards there. Uh, you know the Orioles have an opportunity this this year. Dan Duquette has came out and said, you know, hey, ownership in the past has has not wanted to spend money in international in the international market, which I mean, as Orioles fans, we all have realized. Um, but it sounds like he's really wanted to, and and now with John and Lou Angelos um, calling the shots more than 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 Peter, that that's going to be allowed and maybe even uh, encouraged. So in, in acquiring acquiring this international slot money really gives me more confidence that that's actually going to happen. Now, one thing I want to tell everyone that's listening is getting the top international prospects usually takes a lot of time. It takes, you know, investing in resources down in the Dominican and Venezuela and the other countries, you know, in the Caribbean where, where these prospects are located and developing relationships with trainers, scouting them when they're 13, 14, you know, so that, You can pick out the best guys, so when they turn 16 and become eligible, you can have an upper hand over the other teams. Now, that's going to take the Orioles a couple of years to catch up, even if they go gung-ho into it. But as I wrote on Twitter and also on Orioles Hangout a couple months ago, they have an opportunity this year to make a splash in the international market if they want to show fans that they're really intent on doing this international thing right. Um, there's a guy named Victor Victor Mesa um, by by multiple outlets. He's the top prospect available in this year's international signing period. Um, he's older. He's a he's a Cuban defector. Um, he hasn't been cleared to sign yet, but it's expected to happen fairly soon um, during this period. And he's a guy that could you know, go to double A immediately rather than start in rookie ball or in the Dominican Summer League. Um, he's 22 years old and he could be ready for the majors within a year if things go right. Um, and he's a guy that if he can hit, he's got all the tools similar to like, a a Robles, Victor Robles from, from the nationals, their top prospect. Now the question is, you know, can he hit in pro ball? So there's always a lot of risk there, but, He's a guy that would slot into the back end of the top hundred immediately assigned, and the Orioles have more money to offer him than any other team by a wide margin. Um, So when he's cleared, it's really down to the Orioles or the Marlins. The Marlins have, I think, 4.1 million dollars left to spend, and the Orioles have, after the trade, the Brock trade, I believe they have 5. Uh, 5.75 or something like that. So if the Orioles really want him, they can get him. And that would be, you know, a real sign to fans that, hey, we're willing to spend and spend big in the international market and build the system the right way.
0: And of course, we should note that there have been multiple media reports that the Orioles do have an interest in him. So I don't know what to make of all those because there's some definitely some contradictory stuff out there. But um, there does seem to be some interest.
1: I can speak on that a little bit. So he's not cleared. So the Orioles as a team, as an organization, even if they have some sort of deal, you know, handshake agreement in place, they have to come out and say, hey, you know, he's not cleared. We have no interest. So. I think at least you can consider them strongly interested. Um, and there may already be some sort of handshake deal in place. I, I wouldn't be surprised if when he's cleared, he gets signed by either the Orioles or the Marlins within the first week. Um, so I, I don't think the reports are wrong, so to speak. I think it's just when beat reporters are calling their team sources, the team sources can't say, even if they are interested, you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, let me just ask you: uh, Going back to the trades, we know we've had the Machado, the Britton, and the Brock trades. Um, what grade overall would you give the Orioles in terms of what they got back for these guys? How did they do?
1: as As far as as far as how they did, you know, considering that they were all rentals, they're all going to be free agents at the end of the season, they did excellently. I mean. The, the only thing you could really criticize them for is, you know, is not trading them sooner, not realizing when their window of contention was closing, you know, at the deadline last summer. You know, I I was a proponent of selling at the deadline last summer because I saw the window closing and I thought they could spur a rebuild quicker if they, you know, sold off some of these valuable assets now. Um the Orioles brass obviously didn't think that they wanted to, you know, saddle up for one more ride and, you know, it's been utter collapse. Um, I didn't predict it to be this bad. I predicted, you know, more of a, you know, a mediocre season that didn't make the playoffs, but, you know, I think their only mistake really is not, not seeing their window of contention closing early enough. um, But if you compare the returns for Machado and for especially for Britain to the other players traded this deadline so far, I mean, the Orioles have got a heck of a return. Um, You know, if you're ranking the overall and I think Baseball America ranked, you know, ranked all the prospects that are traded so far. I believe the Orioles had, you know, like six or seven guys in the top 15 of all the top guys acquired so far. So the Orioles have done well with what they, what they have to trade. I think they need to, to go all in on this rebuild though, and trade at least a couple of their controllable assets. Um, You know, you have Jonathan scope, he'll be a free agent at the end of 2019. So your choices there are either, because i don't think anyone realistically thinks this team is going to be a playoff contender in 2019 uh with the depths of this season and the the obvious need for a rebuild um so either either you need to trade him or you need to extend him um and you know i'm not sure what kind of extension he would be willing to go for and if it's not you know a fairly lengthy team friendly extension they're probably in the you know, in the best interest of in moving him. I know he's had a rough first half, but I don't think scouts are down on him. Um, he had the oblique injury that was hurting him early in the year. Um, he's coming off his career year, and you've seen over the past you know few weeks how he's just tearing the cover off a ball. I think teams are going to value him um, as a real controllable contributor. You know, as above average regular at least. Um so I think he would return, you know, a haul. So I think you you should think about moving him, you know. They should think about moving uh Kevin Gosman, um who also I think has more value than Orioles fans realize. Um his ERA is partially a a result of playing in front of the league's one of the league's worst defenses this year. I mean, You think about, you know, you have Adam Jones in center field who has one of the worst, you know, at this point in his career, is one of the slowest and, and, you know, by defensive metrics, one of the worst center field defenders in the majors. And then you have Trey Mancini, who's a first baseman in left field. And sometimes you have Jace Peterson, who's a utility infielder, or, you know, um, Mark Trumbo sometimes playing in the outfield as well. So, uh, That's not not to not, a, not
0: a pretty situation
1: <laughs> yeah, so so you know teams aren't looking at his e r a and being like, Oh, you know he's a back end starter, Kevin Gosman is clearly a mid rotation starter with the upside for more um John Shepard at canon Depot um posted a good piece about comparing his value to uh sonny gray when he was traded last year and i i agree I, you know i had would written the same thing um before i didn't go into nearly the detail that john did john does a good job at fleshing out those things from a analytical standpoint um but but yeah he's a guy gaussman who who should return you know top 100 talent um so if the Orioles really want to do this rebuild right, they have to make the hard choices and they have to trade controllable assets. And hopefully, you know, that could happen in the off season. but you might be able to get more here at the deadline.
0: And who knows? By the time people listen to this, maybe they will have done something. I know there's. It's, there's,
1: it's very possible. There's <laughs> Gossman
0: rumors floating around today, but through the Pirates. I don't want to get into yeah. all that because that could actually happen by the time, by the time I release yeah. this. Yeah. Um, and-
1: and, and my list, you know, kept on getting delayed, you know, as they returned more prospects. And I had to, you know, study, study the new guys, you know. So that's, that's why it took so long to get my midseason list out was, you know, these guys are coming in and I want to evaluate them correctly.
0: So people who want to check out that list, it's at Orioles Hangout um, and they can follow you on Twitter. What, what's your Twitter handle? The
1: underscore Luke underscore
0: Siler. All right, so people should follow you on Twitter, um, get, get a lot of information about Orioles prospects that way. And again, go to Orioles Hangout to find the uh, top 50 list that Luke just put out. Thanks a lot, Luke.
1: Thanks for having me, Justin.
0: And that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Orioles. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.